So before I uh, introduce tonight's theme, I'd just like to take a moment to acknowledge and appreciate your practice. Um, Just the depth and the dedication and the courage and so many wonderful qualities I can see and feel and recognize in all of you, each of you. So thank you. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Hmm. So this evening I'd like to uh, start by, sometimes I begin a talk by saying a short quote or a story or something to kind of sum the the talk up. This evening I think I'll do something a bit different. I'll say just something which is, uh, I want to indicate what the talk is not about. (laughs) So as I was just coming in this evening and I was remembering... um, when I was young, <laughs> a long time ago, but, um, living in London uh, in my uh, 20s and early 30s, and I can remember at that time, somehow, sometimes, being in a female body uh, seemed to uh, be uh, an invitation to some uh, men, actually, in this, to say to me, Cheer up, love. <laughs> Smile. It might never happen. And I remember that experience and just wanting to slap him around the face, like you know. Although you know, it might never happen. I said we just did. So sorry. I realise. I hope that's not insulting to anyone. <laughs> if it is, I apologise. The reason why I'm sharing it is because. Um, this talk is about happiness and the last thing I wish to do is to tell you to cheer up love so just bearing that in mind (laughs) thank you (laughs) Um, yeah so I'd like to offer some reflections on uh, how we might sometimes uh, helpfully view this path and this practice that we engage in as a path of happiness leading to the highest happiness. And that maybe this can sometimes be a a helpful way of looking. And so I wanted to begin by sharing a story. I, I hope I get this correct for those of you more historically informed. I Anyway, we'll see. I, I, I think it's a good story. So it's the story of Ashoka in ancient India who um, was a, a king or a leader of people. And, and this is what I remember from the story, um, that he was um, surveying uh, a battlefield after a great battle and he was beholding this terrible carnage which had taken place. And as he was contemplating this 
awful scene. He noticed a samana, yeah, an arms mendicant, walking across the battlefield with such an air of serenity and calm and peace that he was so struck by this. And the story is that he then he went to ask this person, you know, how can this be? You know, tell me, what are you practicing? And they uh, explained to him that they were a follower of the Buddha. And my understanding is that this moment was the beginning of what eventually led to him establishing a, a, a governance, a state or a, an empire, where the, he tried to create a governance that was based on, on the Buddha's teachings. And that that brought benefit to many people for a long time. So the moment, the moment I want to kind of point to, and this is how, at least how, how one of the ways that story touches me, is the moment when this goodness was beheld. Yeah. When uh, Ashoka saw the goodness that, that emanated from this samana. And that moment of uh, goodness being seen changed the course of history. So, and, and to me that, that well, yeah, I wanna go a bit more into this, but there's something that, that what was crucial was, was, not, was not just the, um, you know, the, the, the goodness of the, of, the, of the samana, but that somehow um, Ashoka was able to see, was able to see it. He noticed it. And I, you know, but that, that's, somehow that's what this talk is about. So that we, perhaps if that works as a metaphor for us at times in our lives and certainly at times when we walk through the world that we, it can feel like we are walking through, beholding um, a scene of great devastation, yeah, of carnage. And whether that's you know, events and, and that we see, or, or whether it's sometimes it's that inner battlefield yeah, where it can really it can really feel like that. And how do we in that moment, if you like, be both the the goodness uh-huh, the, and the beholding of the goodness. Yeah, that makes sense. And that, that's something we can practice here is is the beholding, the, the recognizing, the seeing and um, and to recognize and I using the word goodness, but I, I wanna kind of 
like really what I'm pointing to maybe is a very wide range of what you might feel or recognize or know as some kind of positive affect or effect, right? It could be, you know, and I re- this, this sense of um, happiness or peace or even some sense of um, the easing or the alleviation of the suffering. I would include that in this uh, um, yeah that that what what the effects of uh, contemplating recognizing all kinds of wholesome wholesomeness you know goodness beauty truth that it has an effect and this is part of the the brilliance and beauty of the Buddha's teachings is so recognizing that 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 that's a natural natural thing for a human being isn't it doesn't it just happen it just happens that we we notice and and suddenly some there's a kind of uplift that we haven't really even intended and i wonder who knows what it was like for a shoka but i was thinking of something that happened to me a while ago and i it's a story I often tell because it was so striking to me that I was um, near Guy House walking with a friend and I was pretty miserable and was uh, regaling her with my woes and we were walking past the house and some of you know I, there was a dog there called Polly who I, lo- I love loved very much and just the sight of that dog like completely changed my mind state. It just like, like, you know, like just flicking a channel. And I know it's not always that simple and quick. And then it was like, oh, Polly, I love you. I feel happy. And then back to the misery. <laughs> and it's like this, and it's terrible, and oh dear. And I, and fortunately, as is 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 often the case, isn't it that that my friend was able to point this out to me. And that was actually what made it a teaching, which I think has continued to reverberate for me, that she was able to say, oh, look what just happened. <laughs> I was, but somehow, it, 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 even though I then didn't, you know, it wasn't all, you know, wonderful after that, it's one of those moments where I kind of understood that there are these channels, you know, pathways, and some of them are so deeply, deeply ingrained, and we just live in them. And but somehow, in that moment, really seeing that it was just that—what the word "just" probably would not have occurred to me in that moment—but <laughs> it was. Oh, look! It was there, and then it wasn't happening. So. The happiness that was in between there wasn't something I made happen, it just happened. And so part of this, I think, is recognizing, is being open to those moments. And sometimes, maybe it comes at really, in really surprising moments in the midst of an upset like that. But somehow there's some way we can um, attune ourselves or be primed or be ready or be willing maybe that's what increases is maybe the willingness to oh 
some, for something to shift, for something to affect us. And of course, we we cultivate, we we incline, we we um, you know. It occurred to me, and this is something for you to to check out. That actually, I, I mean, I think this bears a bit more reflection for me too. That I started to think if any any aspect of the path or practice or any wholesome quality whatsoever in the mind always has some degree, some kind of positive resonance with it. I go, wow, okay. Is that, so I, for me, that's something for me to continue to check out, but it kind of feels true. And any kind of wholesome intention, any kind of bit of right view, you just, I'm not, and I just want to go through some of these aspects um, and I, that I think maybe the, another sort of key um, thing I want to communicate is, is this recognizing, like I could be feeling fed up or my body's aching or whatever it is, or, uh, mm, caught up in something to some degree and in the moment, in the moment when there is something else that comes in, you know, a little bit of mindfulness or, yeah, that in that moment there is something pleasant or positive or wholesome or something. And it can be very, very small and modest. But I have a sense that this is much of the path, <laughs> right? It's not all big dramatic shifts, right? This is often what we're kind of looking for or hoping for. It's more, so much more of it, I think, of this is more modest. Like right now, I might invite you, you know, just like, you know, like what, is, what, is, what is well? What is okay? And I think this is a, sounds so and again it's not meant to be you know cheer up everything's fine it, it's the skill of of this slight shift in view or slight shift of attention that ah oh, there's the suffering but there's also the non-suffering or the less suffering yeah so i had this image i hope this makes sense i um an image of you know like a fabric of our life or our mind and there's maybe two main colors and uh, patterns and one is say red I hope this isn't I tried to pick something that would be neutral um, but red and blue so we, the red pattern see the fabric and the the red patterns are, are kind of like the the suffering and they're very they draw draws our attention and we can we can see just that right that then there's all this blue and the blue pattern, which is the pattern, the patterns of, of happiness or well-being or peace. Ah, and then sometimes we see only that, cling to that, right? So we, are, we tend to see either one or the other. And I, I think for me is something about being able to see both, right? the whole fabric of our 
existence of our life of 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 beings you know the whole fabric of life that includes all beings and all life and something about how our practice can help us to um, embrace both it's this week I've been struck in, in several conversations with, with you. This has come up again and again in different ways. Happiness, sadness. How happiness, you know, like I don't and ah, okay. <sighs> hmm. For me it has something to do with an outbreath, obviously, at least in this moment. Um yeah, so how do we uh, learn to uh, tune into and recognize and the goodness in ourselves and others um, without it being, uh, uh, you know, denial of suffering? Perhaps you know the story as well from, from, from Thich Nhat Hanh, um, who uh, was in Vietnam in the terrible war, and the story I remember hearing that he would he would be with the monks, and they they would be out trying to help and and bring some peace or bring some help, and and then at night he would sometimes encourage them to look up, to look and to look and see the beauty of the night sky and stars. to bring up seeds of joy because he 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 you know otherwise we we can't we go under don't we it's, so i find that very inspiring so i just i wanted to touch on a few aspects of the path and perhaps you know you you can reflect on what it is for you where you what where you kind of connect with goodness or in a way that is uplifting for your heart and either something that happens or something you can recollect. So generosity. So this for me is a very, and it's a very core cool teaching from the Buddha, but um, to, to, to reflect on, to recollect moments of generosity, you know, of, of either we've witnessed or when we've given or received. I find this is very beautiful way of um, just gladdening the heart and mind and um, yeah probably you've had experiences that when you think of them uh, it, it kind of it kind of yeah it brings some kind of for me it's often some kind of joy kind of joy comes with that um, yeah I don't know, I want to invite you, maybe I could tell a story of when it happened for me, but also I'd like to invite you to think of a moment of generosity, perhaps recently or long ago, that when you remember it, it has that effect of, oh, you know, some sense of support or just warming some kind. I think the power of story, this is very interesting to me. I think I will tell a little story. Partly to um, 
acknowledge that something about human beings and stories that I think is very important. It's a way that we, um, that meaning, that the, that the teachings can actually, you know, really meet us, can really we, we be meaningful, touch us. You know, in a way we just hear the words, think, yeah, generosity, mm-hmm, good idea. You know. <laughs> right, next. <laughs> So many years ago, some of you have heard me tell this story. I guess teachers do that. They just tell the same story over and over. But I'll have to rustle up some new ones sometime. Because moments of generosity abound. I, I, I just can't... I, let me think. Well, yeah, lots of things. But I want to tell this particular story. Because it's also, for me, a way of acknowledging two very dear friends. And So years ago, and my foster mum was got very ill and we thought she was yeah very soon gonna die and I was at Guy House and I, I didn't have a way of getting there on my own and so I was very very upset and kind of feeling like I, I didn't know quite what to do and how to get there or yeah and they and they, and they appeared well Rachel appeared at my room and, and, and they and offered to drive me hundreds of miles across England, you know, and to see her and got there in the middle of the night and she was still living and that was so, um, was so uh, beautiful and it was so difficult for me to accept and I think this is one of the things I feel like the pra- what part of what the practice of generosity does, both in giving and also in allowing ourselves to receive, is it highlights what gets in the way. What gets in the way. Feeling of unworthiness. Oh, I don't deserve it. If you ever know that, someone offers or gives and you just feel, oh, oh it's too much. I can't. I, I, I. I, you know, it's like... And so sometimes... When, when we want to give and we feel, oh, I, 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 I can't, I, I, I haven't got enough. I, you know, that fear of, of lack, that fear of, that can hold us back from, from offering. And so what I've seen is how when we focus on the giving, just the, the, the receiving, in a way, the, it's just generosity. The sense of I, you know, giving to you, or you giving to me, or it's this that I'm giving to you. <laughs> it's like that kind of just it fades, and and really, it's more like the thing that's given or received, and the you know the sense of you there giving to me. It's just a vehicle. It's just a vehicle for generosity. Does that make any sense? And that so. For me, I think that's part of how the uplift happens when the sense of it being about I or me or you um, it is kind of o- overridden or overwhelmed by just the, that, co- that quality of, of heart and mind, that intentionality of giving, sharing. So I, I actually see generosity as a wisdom practice in that way, if, that may, if you could see it in that way. Yeah, and in the same kind of way, um, the second kind of 
practice or quality I wanted to highlight is gratitude. It is kind of linked, isn't it? It's kind of to be able to, ah, if offer, give thanks. Give thanks and to, for it to be received. Do you ever get that? It's like, and then when somebody thanks you, to actually let them thank you. You know, sometimes I can feel myself, someone thanking me, thanking, and I'm going, yeah, okay, fine, shh. You know, right? like, you know, thank you, yes, next. <laughs> but to actually, it's like something about that again. I mean, for me, it's, we're all different, but that to really fully receive the thanks maybe means letting go of some of those senses of self or, you know, I, again, maybe unworthiness or, well, what are they going to want from me? Or, I don't know, whatever else it might be that kind of is there. And you just let it go through you like like a lovely breeze, whoosh, nothing in the way, just... And then the benefit for the person who's thanking you, because they can feel so happy, and maybe it's... Anyway, you kind of get what I'm talking about, hopefully. So, gratitude, not because I should, right? I think this is interesting with that kind of cheer up, you know, because you should. Not gratitude, because you should, or I should, but because it's like a natural expression. It's like, isn't it? Isn't it a natural? Like, again, I think to get out of the way of that, to 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 allow that to uh, be uh, given and received, really. And again, different. You know, this just I'm highlighting some of the ones that stand out for me. So those first two, particularly about our relationships with others. And the second two, a bit different, more relating to the sense senses and uh, what, we, what we have or um, what, what we perceive through the senses in terms of, of things. And uh, so the, 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 the happiness of contentment and the Buddha, the Buddha has this wonderful teachings, the, the four great contentments. Um, I'm not going to read you the whole quote, but it's, it's really about the practice of being contented with whatever food, clothing or shelter that we have. And he says, any or none, which I think points to this isn't just any old contentment. This is this is something quite radical. You know, that's I, I hear that as such a it's like a challenge. It is also such a compassionate invitation to um yeah, to just another way of helping to kind of wean us from our, you know, our need to to have more to make things, you know, the way we want them to be. And the fourth one, which I think is so beautiful, the fourth great contentment is to be content with having the opportunity to cultivate wholesome states. I think that's so uh, 
you know, just to have the opportunity to to have the chance to practice, you know, without so much that sense of it, I'm content because what I've got or what I will get or what I just got, you know, what it's like it's more a, um, a contentment with with uh, uh, this opportunity to practice to cultivate the wholesome. And again, it's not. Uh, it's not. I should be. It's not. I should be. It's sometimes that comes up, doesn't it, with these sorts of things? It's more like a, again, a kind of recognition, a recognition of everything, again, that's been given, that is offered, and a possibility of a kind of um, happiness with 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 that simplicity. Um, so I wanted to share a couple of quotes from two great teachers, not the Buddhist tradition, um, on this. Mohandas K. Gandhi said, we are not always aware of our real needs and most of us improperly multiply our wants and thus unconsciously make thieves of ourselves. And Krishnamurti, who said, There is great happiness in not wanting, in not being something, and in not going somewhere. It's like, great. That would be a lovely, just practice with that for a while. Just, oh, there is great happiness in not wanting, in not being something in not going somewhere. Yeah, so it's great sort of turning you in the direction of uh, happiness and well-being that's here and now available, isn't it? It's that always again and again, that sense of what's available here and now. I was t- talking to, to, one, to one of you, I um, can't remember which day, something about the just the simplicity of feeling the foot on the ground on the on the grass and just that sense of ah yeah that's isn't that a kind of happiness it's not it's it's quiet it's quiet and another teacher described a sort of happiness that is really so quiet we can miss it it's kind of nondescript you know sometimes maybe it's really the foot on the grass and sometimes it's something more um just in our in our mind state kind of general sense of contentment yeah so um, I also wanted to share a poem that I love, which points to an experience that probably you all know very well at different times on retreat. Sometimes I think it happens more when you first come in, but it's the way that the as the mindfulness strength strengthens or when it's strong and there's a sense of 
the clarity or the vividness or the um, like the textures of seeing, of hearing, of of touching and tasting become kind of clearer or more vivid as the mind calms at certain stage you have this kind of there's a sense of wonder like just seeing and hearing and tasting just the simplicity of it can can be like a place of of wonder or, or moments of uh, wonder that can come from that so I wanted to share this this poem which reminded me of a moment of wonder on a very early retreat at Gaia House in England many years ago. And despite many retreats which involved lots of crying and misery, there were these moments of utter candescent wonder that totally hooked me into practice. And there was this one moment I was lying on the grass, looking up towards the sun through a bush, and there was this, there were kind of, that the leaves were, were you know, illuminated the sun. And then I, I was noticing a strange sort of effect of, almost sort of rainbow effect through, through my eyelashes. Anyway, that's my probably at this point inaccurate memory of that wonderful moment <laughs> but it made an impression and it uh, yeah yeah so here's a wonderful poem by the great Welsh poet Oris Thomas I have seen the sun break through to illuminate a small field for a while and gone my way and forgotten it but that was the pearl of great price, the one field that had the treasure in it. I realize now that I must give all that I have to possess it. Life is not a hurrying on to a receding future, nor hankering after an imagined past. It is, it is the turning aside, like Moses, to the miracle of the lit bush to a brightness that seems as transitory as your youth, but is the eternity that awaits you. So, um, the last two um, areas I'd just like to touch on briefly are more to do with our relationship with the mind itself, you could say. And the happinesses or the kinds of well-being that can come, that do come at times, sometimes very modestly and sometimes more uh, uh, fully from our practice of uh, samadhi or settling, gathering. And I I I have a sense that, that the as and the, the Buddha points this out in a number of ways that gladdening the mind and heart, the mind and heart that that feels some gladness is is 
is the mind and heart that is more able to settle. Right? It's kind of, you probably all know this. Such a, ah, it's like I got, there's this image of some of the the practices I was talking about just now, like building the nest. And then we come and then we can, the samadhi that is like sitting on the nest. And the staying and the, the happy chitta sitting, sitting on the nest, keeping the eggs of enlightenment warm. If we extend the metaphor rather clumsily. <laughs> so, you know, sitting on your eggs is an image of the, this clever, clever bird that doesn't squash, doesn't break the eggs, you know, doesn't leave the eggs and just gently protects them and warms them. It's just such a maybe helpful image. And again, you know, not not that... Um, I think in all of this, there's a sense of how the happiness and the gladness and say the, the happening of the samadhi and the settling, it doesn't happen because I think it should, right? Does it? <laughs> really, generally not. You know, or I should or I, I can't. They can, I can't. <laughs> um how do you, you know, I've got to... So, uh, huh. so something happening, something more like, like happening naturally when, when I just sit there and take care of the eggs. <laughs> Being able to be that simple an image I love for this is the the image of it's also from Thich Nhat Hanh, I think of of a, a, a glass of cloudy apple juice all stirred up and then it sits he sits on the table and and then goes to sit in meditation and and then a child comes back and says oh Thai the the apple 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 juice is all clear and just like his mind has just you know, sitting there has cleared and settled. There's a naturalness to this. And I know I speak, speaking partly to myself as somebody who's like, I can't, my mind doesn't settle very easily. So I've had to learn. It's been a big, big learning. Um, that, that to really trust that, that's not come easily to me at all. That, that simplicity and and that trust and that faith in relaxation as such a key part of 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 of, of putting the putting the vessel down and and I just waiting. Rodney Smith put it like this: Practice takes us through the doing mind into the non-doing of ease and contentment. Yeah, it's a long road for some of us. Mm. And from the teacher Gendron Rinpoche, he said, when we live in the present, joy arises for no reason. Happiness cannot be found through great effort and willpower, but is already here in relaxation and letting go.
So I hope that's some encouragement. You know that, um, yeah, these different kinds of happiness, different kinds of uh, positive effect of our practice on on us and on others. And the last piece I want to touch on very briefly, this could easily be a whole talk, perhaps each piece could, but I hope what I'm trying to do is just to, to open up the sense of, ah, oh, the different ways in which different areas of the practice, different aspects of the teaching bring with them a certain flavor of happiness if we can notice it if we can if we can notice it and sometimes it's very obvious and sometimes it's very quiet and yeah so the last piece i wanted to just mention fairly briefly is you all know you all know the happiness of insight perhaps the greatest happiness of all transformative insight we see and feel differently and it makes a difference the suffering is eased the mind is clear is clarified the delusion is mm, seen through you know and 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 to to contemplate you know, past insights to to contemplate what you can see right now if you remember to apply what you already know. <laughs> yes. Oh. Ah. Yeah. You know, that's not so dramatic. That's not so bells and whistles and fireworks, you know. But yes, here and now, Oh, yeah, I can actually draw on some wisdom that that has that is present and available because of those insights that have gone and happened. But by not clinging to them, by not leaning forward for more, and by not hankering after that past moment of great illumination, and it's all been downhill from there, <laughs> we actually then are open, we're available for the functioning of wisdom here and now with this, with this. So one kind of practice phrase that came to me when I was contemplating this area was wise about what? Because to me it's like you can get the whole wisdom, yes, you know, and Wise about what? Wise about this. Wise about this. So um, I'd like to finish with somebody who has taught me so much about the practice of being wise with or about this. Um, Ajahn Suchito. Can you make room for disagreeable feeling to be known and allowed to pass? Is there a way of opening to it? 
listen, allow, widen your attention, soften your attitude, recognize the eternal, timeless, boundless possibility of receiving feeling and the joy that gives you, the ease that gives you just to handle one unpleasant feeling. So may each of us uh, mm, taste the many kinds of happiness and non-suffering available here and now. May we help each other to do that for our benefit and the benefit of all beings everywhere. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.